0: Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks, howdy, and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. The topic of this episode is the fifth episode in a series really designed for people who are starting a band or are in a band. I've spent a lot of time in bands, and I've made the point in previous episodes that I think bluegrass um, is done best by bands. Now, I'm not against jamming, uh, but, you know, you don't, uh, they don't put many jam sessions out on record, for example. You know, no record uh, company is going to sign a jam. They're going to sign a band. You go and pay money to see bands. It, I've made that case before in the uh, bands versus jams episode that bluegrass is a band form. So this is the fifth in a series, and it it could go on. I'm I'm based on my notes. I'm thinking probably ten episodes in this, and I will have said everything I can think of. Um, that could help you out if you're going to be in a band. Today's topic is the fifth one. The first one in the series was Field Guide to Bluegrass Jammers. And that episode is really just to to give you the other side of the coin to, to talk about what happens in jam sessions so that you can compare it to bands. And then that was episode 13. In episode 30, Bands versus Jams, now that you had that information, uh, I compare and contrast band bluegrass versus jam bluegrass. And then episode 33 was called Starting a Part-Time Band. And then 36 was called Schedule Master, where I talk about how to, how to herd cats. So now, uh, today, the topic is How to Rehearse a Band. But before we get into the meat of this episode, I want to sidetrack a a minute or two or five. I'm not sure how long I'm going to go on this topic, but there's something on my mind that I want to talk about. And I have sat here debating, well, really all morning debating, should I even talk about this or not? I, I don't know, because there'll be some in the audience that go, Now, why is he bringing this up? What has this got to do with bluegrass? And I'll admit, I have gone back and forth myself. And I figured at the end, the best thing to do was probably just go ahead and do it. And, um, you know, if you feel like what I'm talking about is completely inappropriate, off topic, or whatever, send me an email, tell me that. Go on my Facebook page and, uh, you know, well, probably Facebook's not the best way because I don't look at it that often. But send me an email to say, you know, tell me where I'm wrong if you think I'm wrong. But this has been on my mind and and this sort of thing may have been on your mind. And I, I thought, I'm thinking about this so much, why don't I just go ahead and say it and maybe get some feedback from a few people. You can tell me where, you know, I'm full of, full of it. Or you can say, yeah, that, that makes sense. Maybe I never thought of it that way. And here, here it is. I'm just going to do it and uh, let the chips fall where they may. And it is this. Feeling guilty, depressed, sad, discombobulated, Disoriented, confused by events in the news. And we're all subject to hearing the news. I remember as a kid uh, sitting in front of the television. It's one of my earliest memories. I was four years old. And it's the first thing that I can really, really remember. And that was, I remember watching the television. The whole family in the room and seeing John F. Kennedy's casket being moved off of an airplane and into a hearse. I remember that. The whole country, practically the whole world, was involved in that news episode. And and throughout what I'm about to say, I am not in any way saying... What news is important and what news is not? All I want you to do is consider that some is and some isn't. So I'm not going to tell you what to think. I just want you to think about what's going on here. What does it mean when the practically the entire world is focused on the same events? You know, what's going on here? And the reason this comes up in my mind is that just just a few days ago, and this is in, um, I'm recording this in October 2017 for you listeners in the future. If you're coming along here and, and it's the year 2025 or something, and you'll be able to refer back to October 2017. That's when I'm recording this. And what is today's date? Today is the 10th. October tenth. Anyway, why am I even thinking about this at all? And it was because I, I every day or every other day, I hop on, check my email, and I'm scanning my email for messages. I'm, I'm looking for that email from a person who may have tried to download one of my ebooks or videos or something, and is having some sort of problem. And I've mentioned this before, that's the first thing I'm scanning for. I'm looking for that. And and emails from my wife, because that's always important too. You know, don't forget uh, Jackson is going on a field trip next weekend, you know, that kind of thing. I've tried to tell her, don't use email when you want to communicate with me. But anyway, uh, in terms of my website, you know, I've got this little online store and the beauty of, of that sort of thing is that I can be sleeping and some guy in Norway can be downloading, you know, uh, my building blocks, mandolin video lesson and PDF and whatever. And I kind of have to run on the assumption that the service provider, the, the outfit that delivers that file to you and handles the transaction, that everything's working so um, I'm scanning. I'm looking for problems. First of all, put out the fires, you know. And then the second thing I'm looking for are just personal messages. I'm also weeding out spam, uh, you know. Um, things I, I I'm on this list for that or whatever. I'll delete a few things, and but I'm also looking for just maybe not a problem, but just a comment or a suggestion or. You know, just somebody that's been to my website or listened to a podcast and, you know, they're just telling me something. I look for those, too. And I take them in this order. I try to solve the problem once first. And those are pretty rare. I, I might get one or two a month. And invariably, by the way, the problem typically is related to the number one reason people have difficulty is that they're just unfamiliar with things of a computing nature like they don't really know like when they download a file where it goes on their computer see that in in older people more so than younger people and they just they don't really get the concept of i'm downloading a pdf not even really sure what that is sometimes and look i'm not criticizing people's ignorance there's a lot of things I'm ignorant about but but I over the years I know these things and a lot of the young people know them but many times if I have a problem it's a person maybe who has a maybe it's somebody who is 70 years old and their son-in-law fixed them up with a tablet and they're surfing the web and they decide to buy a banjo video or something and they're trying to download it onto their tablet and somehow they have missed, you know, the advice I've given on, you know, don't use a tablet. Uh, it, it's really difficult to, to do it. Th- anyway, that's the kind of things I'm looking for, technical problems. And I get right back to them and try to explain things and help them out where I can. And and then, so that's the first priority. Second priority is then I look through, oh, uh, you know, Joe Blow here. As a suggestion for a future podcast, I will, I may mark that and come back to it when I finish the other stuff because I want to give them a full response and try to respond. I, I do try to answer all my emails. I don't, I'm sure there have been some that I've missed, but if you take the time to write to me, I feel obligated to take the time to write back to you unless you say, hey, you don't need to reply. I just wanted to tell you thanks. That I might not, but even so, I probably will. I'm pretty good about that kind of thing. So, anyway, getting back to this thing about the news. Here's what happened a few days ago. I saw, when I get on, I look and see, well, first of all, have there been any sales? And then if so, I jump on email and I look to see anybody that purchased, are they having a problem? That's first thing, my responsibility on my end. And then second responsibility is, you know, answer any questions somebody have that may be unrelated. But I look, I go on there first, and I see zero sales for that day. Well, you know, that happens once in a while. Not, Don't get too worried about it, you know. You're going to have a, a zero day once in a while. And then the next day, zero ooh, what's what's going on? I'm I'm beginning to get concerned, so I go to my website. Just make sure it's up and running. You know, I don't go to look at my own website. I don't look at every page of my own website every day and test every link and all that kind of thing. I just want to make sure it's up and running. Yeah, it's up and running. Everything seems to be good. How about um, Payhip? Payhip, who handles uh, delivering you the file. When you buy Mandolin Masterclass, you buy it through them and they send it to you. Uh, They tell me about it after the fact. Maybe their website's down. Maybe PayPal is down. Well, everything seems to be normal. So, you know, what the heck is going on? Then the next day, zero. And I'm thinking, my logic is, is this. It's like a battleship. You get this battleship, or let's use an oil tanker. An oil tanker is cruising along. If you just kill the throttle, it's going to be a while before that boat stops. And that's the way I look at my business of instructional materials. It's... I mean, if I totally screw up and do everything wrong, it's still going to take a while for all those effects to ripple through the system, you know. So I don't. I try not to get too flipped out because... I've seen zero days before, you know, I've seen two in a row before, but this was weird. Three in a row, four days in a row. And I'm like, what, what is going on? And I came to the conclusion, and this is sort of my theory, that the news story come out, coming out of Las Vegas was the reason. And it's of course just my theory, but I'm trying to put, I want to find a reason Like, if I see zero sales, I want to know what's the reason. If it's a reason I can correct, like, ooh, my website is all messed up. I'll get in there and get it back up and run it. But I couldn't come up with anything. And the only thing I could think of was that pretty much the entire country was uh, just glued to the TV and watching the news. And it got me thinking about a couple things. And the first is that mass communication... And this constant, television's everywhere. I bought gas the other day, and there was a TV. Admittedly, it was just videos, advertisements. But it was like, gas station TV. I'm like, oh my God, is there anywhere I can go without a TV? Or radio? Or internet? It's everywhere. A buddy of mine uh, asked me to go deer hunting with him a couple of years ago. I swear to God, while I was in in my stand, he took me to this place and He's like, here, I'll put you over here. And so I'm just sitting there. He texted me like 15 times while I was sitting in the deer stand. It was, it was weird. (laughs) Anyway, I, sometimes I think we're all a little too connected because this ever present radio TV internet is putting everybody in the same state of mind at the same time and i'm just here's my theory i don't think that's a good thing i don't think that's a natural state for humanity you know there there's some classic examples of this like the uh, you've probably heard of the uh, the war of the worlds radio broadcast you know where a lot of people freaked out and thought martians were attacking and all that that's a classic example uh same thing would be uh neil armstrong stepping foot on the moon I believe that was July 1969. I probably watched that on TV, and you probably did too if you're old enough. Another one is the one I mentioned of the entire world glued to the TV after the Kennedy assassination. Or here, here's another one that I remember well was the O.J. Simpson chase. And the reason I remember that so well, it wasn't because I was a TV hound and I followed the news and all that kind of stuff. I was not. But uh, the reason I remember that one so well is our band Cedar Hill was playing at this place called Armadillo World. It was sort of a like country nightclub restaurant joint in Gwinnett County, Georgia, a little bit north of 285, up I-85 north of Atlanta. Armadillo World. And Cedar Hill was playing there. And I, I don't know. I would assume it was probably Friday night. So uh I'd have to look up the date of the O.J. Chase but you know it was still afternoon in California. So we we play our we come in set up and we're playing our first set and people are watching our our antics and our show and during the even before we finished the first set but by the time we got to our first break it was quite obvious there was some weird going on nobody in the place was facing the band. Nobody was paying a bit of attention to us. Everybody was glued to the TVs behind the bars and all around the place. Because like I said, there's no place you can go that isn't just full of televisions. And we're like, what the heck is going on? Well, every TV has got this SUV tooling along at about 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour, followed by 30 cop cars. It's like, what is going on? So we go up to the bar and we're hanging around, looking at the TV, trying to figure out what is going on. We, It's time for us to get back up and play. Well, the, the bar owner says, look, you guys might as well sit down and relax because everybody in this place is watching this, you know, and uh, just hang around. So we did. We hung around for two hours and he kept telling us, don't, don't bother getting up and playing because They can't hear the TV. The crowd can't hear the TV. And the guy paid us (laughs) at the end of the thing, and we left. So I sat around just, like, mystified. How can all these people be so interested in O.J. Simpson thing, whatever? I don't know. I mean, yeah, according to the story, somebody was murdered. But, hey, somebody was murdered in our county, you know, and it didn't The entire world didn't zero in. People are zeroing in on these stories because it's ever-present. It's being fed to you through every channel of communication you can imagine. And I guess I was a little immune to that because I didn't spend a whole lot of time listening to the radio. If I was in a car, I was listening to tapes, old, you know, New Grass Revival tapes or, you know... I just didn't park myself in front of the TV, so I didn't really even know what was going on. Another incident that I recall was the weekend after 9-11. And that whole thing had was going down, I think it might have been on a Tuesday. And, well, that weekend, Doc Watson was playing up in Delaga at a festival. And I had gotten to know Doc somewhat, but uh, the guy that played with him, Jack Lawrence... I had, you know, become friends with. And I knew they were playing. So Darlene and I loaded up in the car and decided to go up there and just for the one evening, go to the Doc Watson show and see Jack and stuff. And that was it. We were just going to go up. But I remember Rhonda Vincent's band was there and it was a pretty big festival. We, we went up there just to kind of hang out. And it was a really weird scene. I mean, the show was going on. Everything was happening as normal. But there was just this creepy, weird feeling over the whole thing. And it's because everybody in that audience was in the back of their mind or in the front of their mind thinking about nine eleven, which had just happened. It was like there was this pall over the event. It was very strange and weird. And I suppose it's even more strange to a guy like me who doesn't spend his life glued to the television and the radio. My my theory is. And I've told my wife this. That if something is really important. Somebody's going to tell me about it. Like hey your house is burning down. You know. I pulled up in the yard one, one day about a year ago. We were coming back from Albany. Which was about. I don't know 40 miles away. Went down there. We're coming back. And as we're approaching the farm. I see smoke just billowing up from behind the house. I'm like, oh my God, the house is on fire. So what it looked like was we pull in, it wasn't the house. It was the pasture. The woods back down behind the house was on fire. A transformer had blown, you know, a tree had fallen on a line. And anyway, I told Darlene, call the fire department and I grabbed a big rake and ran back down there and... Just as the fire trucks were pulling up, I had the fire out. So anyway, what I'm saying is there are things when when something my my getting back to my theory, my theory is that if it's really important, I'll find out about it personally or somebody close to me will tell me what's going on. And sometimes people tell you they're hey, you know, did you hear about XYZ? And uh, i say, No, I don't. What what's going on? And they'll tell me. That's the moment I make the decision. Do I do I really need to get emotionally involved? Do I need to know everything about this? Do I need to watch 15 hours of YouTube videos about this? Do I need to stay glued to the TV? Or is this something that I can just kind of monitor in the back of my mind and if it becomes a little more personal, a little more serious, then I'll become more interested? You know what I'm saying? Well, I guess what I'm saying is that if every, there's an entire industry built on feeding information to mass numbers of people. And if you subject yourself to that, uh, you know, it's, it's like a recipe for feeling helpless and for feeling uh, depressed and emotionally involved in everything. And look, I am not saying that some of these things are not important, but some of them clearly are not. The O.J. Simpson trial or his chase or whatever is not that important. In fact, I would say it's not important at all. And, boy, I've I've certainly left the bluegrass realm here, haven't I? So, you know, if you want to email me about that, go ahead. Some events are not important. I don't want to hear, I don't care about celebrity news. I, you know, I mean... Pick your celebrity. When you hear all about it is when they died in some weird way. And I'm sorry, that is not important. It may be important to their family. It may be important to those people close to them. And I'm sure it's important to their business partners. But there's just some things that just aren't important to Brad Laird. And I'm making the case that some of these things aren't important to you. And that you're wasting your emotional energy On some of these things. Some of these things are important too. So I guess all I'm saying. If I were advising like my own son. I would say. Hey. Take a look at each event that you hear about. And try to make a choice. Is this important? And how important is it? I mean. If a train carrying nuclear waste derails. Like 10 miles upwind of where I live. That's pretty important. Or if smoke is billowing out of my barn, that's pretty important. Uh, But, you know, if, if a terrorist kills two people in France, I don't need to watch 20 hours of TV about that. Because, you know, somewhere within a two or three county area of where I live, two or three people got killed this week, too. And I'm actually more likely to know those people. I might actually run into somebody, you know, it could be, there was a case not long ago where um, a person was killed in a motorcycle accident down just a few miles from me. And it turns out that the the guy that was killed was the father of a kid in my son's class. You know, that's the kind of stuff where the emotions and, you know, it is kind of important. But I just want you to consider that, that if you're sidetracking, I'm just saying that, uh, it's it's a very weird, strange situation that really only within the last hundred years or so does the whole world uh, in unison react to things that are going on that, honest to God, in many cases aren't that important. So, enough of that. I have blabbed on long, long enough about that. And you can... If you think what I'm talking about is great, let me know that. If you think I'm full of it, uh, you can tell me that too. Anyway, the weird thing about the whole thing was that on the fifth day, I had zero, 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 and it starts getting me worried because, you know, that's my business. That's how I earn my little bread and butter. That's how I put beans on the table is, you know, with this music instruction business. And it used to be more of the music business. But, you know, it's a weird business. And four days in a row of zero, 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 zero. Can't find a problem. Can't find a problem. On the fifth day, that was weird. Because it was one of the best sales days that I had in months. And I figure, well, maybe just water built up behind the dam. And eventually the dam broke. It's, I don't know. Anyway, I was just thinking about these things. And I hope you don't mind that I express some of the thoughts that I have. Now. Let's get to the main topic of this episode, how to rehearse a band. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to close the show with a song, um, Cryin' Holy. You hear a lot of bluegrass bands do it. Uh, J.D. Crowe in the New South did it. Bill Monroe did it. Probably you've done it. Good tune. And I'm going to end, I'm going to close with that tune the whole tune is public domain tune and the band is cedar hill and so you know it's easy for me to grant the rights to put the whole tune on there so we're going to close out with that Uh, but look before we get into this how to rehearse a band let me give you my credentials on band rehearsals and this is not counting any band rehearsals when i was in the school band 7th through 12th grade let's just forget those for now although those were five days a week for many years six years uh, but here are my credentials 27 and a half years with cedar hill with approximately 48 weekly rehearsals i say 48 because we had a weekly rehearsal but once in a while one got canceled around a holiday or something like that so i used 48 weekly rehearsals that's 1320 rehearsals approximately two to two and a half hours each pony express 12 years of active running with same thing 48 weekly rehearsals that's 576 rehearsals and then i just made an estimate of other bands i played with special events pickup groups where we need to rehearse for this or that i just threw out a number of 200 anyway grand total Roughly 2,096 rehearsals. So all I'm saying is, I've been involved in a lot of rehearsals. And in being involved in them, I've learned a few things that work and some things that don't. So let's let's rip through this list of how to make your rehearsals count. Number one, and this is almost so stupid I don't need to say it, but do rehearse. I swear... There are bands that perform who do not rehearse. There's quite a few bands who perform and don't rehearse. All I'm saying is, rehearsal helps. If you believe that, continue. If you don't believe that, well, I'll see you in the next episode. Number two, how often should you rehearse? That's hard to say, and I'm directing all of this at... on the assumption that you have a part-time band who wants to perform on a professional level to the extent that you can based upon your talents and skills etc i'm assuming you want to get a gig every now and then and what what i'm not saying is that you're going on the road you're going to you're going to be professional on-the-road musician. That kind of rehearsal schedule would be different. You might rehearse... If you were... Let's say you joined a pro band and you're going on the festival circuit, you may rehearse every day. You might rehearse seven days a week for three weeks and then hit the road. Uh, that could be how that works. But if you're part-time and everybody's got day jobs and, you know, if you're a part-time, semi-professional band, I think once a week is a great system. Uh, It probably means you'll probably do three out of three a month because of cancellations, but having a regularly scheduled once a week is a good system. That's what we've done, that's what I did to accumulate those 2,000-plus rehearsals. Okay, so once a week is my suggestion. Item three, once you've decided on that you want to rehearse, uh, just it's just so much easier, and this goes back to the Schedule Master episode, it's just so much easier to cast the weekly day, time, and location in stone in advance. So you don't have to, you don't want to be calling around, hey, you want to practice? You know, just set a, find a time that works for everybody. You may even rotate the, the location. That that can be nice for people. Um, but just set it in stone. And then the only time you need to contact each other. Is when you need to cancel. So like in Cedar Hill. For I don't know how many years. It was Monday night 7 o'clock. Monday night 7 o'clock Cedar Hill rehearsal. Every Monday without fail. Cedar Hill rehearsal. Unless... Somebody called and canceled. Now, you also need to consider and make some decision as to will we practice if Joe cancels or will we completely blow it off if Joe and Mike cancel and Joe and Mike and Bill, you know, sometimes one member can't be there and you can still accomplish things. So you need to go ahead and decide that up front if there are key people. Who can't be there, you may just cancel the whole thing. But let's say you have a four-piece band with a fiddle player, and the fiddle player does not sing, you could still get a lot done even without the fiddle player. You want them there, you want everybody there, so don't don't be you know. Try not to say, "Hey, you you being the fiddle player don't have to come," because if if you say that, they probably won't come. Certain certain types of people will try to get out of everything, so. Anyway, make them regular. Just cast them in stone, and then the only time you need to communicate is when one needs to be called off. And we were a lot of times prone to call off around a holiday or if there was a gig like back-to-back with that day. Like, if you're practicing on a Tuesday and you got a Monday night gig, it might be asking a lot of the members and their family obligations and so on to, play on Monday and practice again on Tuesday. So sometimes we would blow them off right after a gig. You know, if we did a Sunday, if we did a weekend festival Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and our practice was on Monday, we might, that might be one of the nights we choose to, you know, blow it off, but we might not because that could be the night we hand out the bucks from the gig. So as much as you can, Try for that weekly regular rehearsal. You will be amazed at the progress you make as a band if you do that. Next thing, number five on my list. How long should the rehearsal be? Uh, I think ballpark is two hours. Personally, I like three hours. Like seven to ten, but seven to nine would work. You know, but set those times in stone. Put the start and end time. Make sure everybody knows we practice from seven to nine. We rehearse, okay. If you don't do that, if it's left up in the air, you'll have guys showing up at seven forty-five and needing to leave at eight fifteen. You know. Now I, I know this is going to happen sometimes, but don't make, you know? Try to make it. We practice from seven to nine on Monday. That kind of thing. That's what we do. If you want to be in this band, this is what we do. We get together every Monday night at Joe's house and we practice from seven to nine. Okay. Now that you've got a practice established, here are some possible, you might call them rules or guidelines for those sessions. A Have a plan. And sometimes for there to be a plan, a leader needs to emerge. And if you're a Democratic band, you may not be a dictator. So what I'm saying is you don't have to be the boss. It might be better, a better term for this might be the shepherd. Somebody needs to kind of step forward a little bit and herd the cats and shepherd the band towards a plan of action. You need a plan. What are we trying to accomplish at this rehearsal? Second thing, item B. Don't try to do too much when you make that plan. It's it's tough to. It, sometimes I've been asked to play in a band like for one gig, and they say we're doing this thing, such such. Can you do it? And we want to rehearse at least once before the thing. I'm like, okay. You show up. They're trying to work up three sets of music on one night. That's a lot. That is a lot. I mean, you're not going to rehearse them all. It, not, certainly not in two hours. You're going to make a song list. With that kind of pickup band, it illustrates, you know, you could don't try to do too much. Try to focus on a few things, get those done. Um, Item C, A is have a plan. B is don't try to put too much in that plan. I, I think with thinking about that, it's better to think long term. Think what will we accomplish over the next year with 50 rehearsals? You can get a lot done. But if you try to do all that in two or three weeks, you know. think long term. Long term, lots of repetition, lots of rehearsals, lots of rehearsals. And they're fun, too. They're work, but it's fun work. Because playing bluegrass. Okay, so A is have a plan. B is try not to do too much at any given rehearsal. C. This is one that I'm pretty adamant about no outside parties no persons no visitors no hangers on no spouses etc at the practice you want to practice in private you might be viewed as a bad guy for suggesting that well if my wife can't be there i don't you know look this is not personal it's just, i'm telling you from experience that if you're going to be in a band and you're going to work together on things that are not yet perfected, there's a certain amount of bearing of the soul that takes place. When you're asked to sing something for the first time, and maybe you're having a little bit of trouble with it, you don't want a visitor watching you make these failing attempts. It just puts more pressure on everybody. As a band. It's like being a, a married couple. you got to take the good with the bad. It's the brotherhood. It's the, we're all in this together. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You, I know. It's, you know, you support each other. When you add a visitor to the mix, a hanger on, you know, the guy that lives next door just stops by and plops down on the couch and listens to you. Now you're going to start conversing with that person. Everybody's going to feel more self-conscious about what they're doing. And you don't want to be mean to these people. So what I'm saying is sometimes somebody's going to drop in, you know, acknowledge them. Don't just say, hey, get out. This is a private rehearsal. That would be nasty. But try to somehow let the person know maybe later that, hey, when we practice, you know, Bob's a little sensitive when we're practicing. Blame it on Bob if you need to or Brad. He don't like it when people are around to listen to him. He says it makes him nervous or would it give him some kind of excuse or say, you know, if you want to stop by, you know, stop by right at the end. You know, if you don't want to hurt the guy's feelings, say we practice and we really need some privacy while we practice. But if you want to pop in about quarter to nine, you know, cause you, you get what I'm saying? Okay. I think it's a bad idea to have, Visitors, spouses, hangers-on. Anybody that is not a performing member of the band, I don't think should be there. Now, you might be in a situation where you have a manager or whatever. Maybe you got a a member who's not a performing member, and maybe that's okay for you guys and gals. But I'm just saying, I've seen some rehearsals break down into parties and conversations and just all kinds of distractions just by the simple intrusion of, of one or two additional people this ain't a show this ain't a party this ain't a jam session it's a rehearsal this is think of it as a business meeting okay next thing allow time know that a certain amount of the time of the rehearsal is going to be eaten up by what i call good old-fashioned bs i mean your friends you're, you may not have seen each other all week, and there's a certain amount of catching up that needs to be going on. Hey, how's it going? Oh, yeah, a tree fell in my yard, and I had to spend a whole week cleaning that up. My horse died. I had to, had to dig up. You imagine burying a horse. And, you know, this kind of stuff goes on. Um, so allow time for that. But don't let that stuff eat up the whole dadgum rehearsal. Let's say you've got a 7 to 9 rehearsal. If you're the leader, you're the shepherd, you're trying to make it happen. Just get it in your own mind we're really we're really going to get down to business about twenty after seven. That's when I'm going to really start you know cracking the whip a little bit here. Don't get flipped out that at seven o five you know your guitar player's in the middle of a long story and a joke. Allow time for that. Let that stuff happen. Let the guys socialize. And don't get wound up at it. Just say, you know, we are here. I want you here at 7 and we go home at 9. You may not tell them that, you know, it's okay to shoot the breeze for 20 minutes. But by 7.30, you guys need to be getting down to business. Okay. The next thing is for all, uh, maintain a song list or set list. So you got some reference to what to be working on. That's part of that have a plan. And then at rehearsals, I think this is really important. Spend the majority of your time working on things that require more than one person. Individual things that need to be worked on can be worked on at home. Let's say you're doing a song and the mandolin kicks it off. If the mandolin player keeps blowing the kickoff, just get to the point where he understands what's required of him and say, hey, work on that at home, let's move on. Because let's say you got a, a little banjo and mandolin twin thing that you're doing in harmony, and you're working on that. You can only work on that with you two together. So work on that. But if it's individual type things, work on those at home. If you need to work on your break for sitting on top of the world, and you're a male player, just go buy my video, and you can play my break. But do that at home. Don't waste practice time working on becoming better at playing your instrument. Now, that being said, the way you play your instrument in relation to other people, that wor- you should be working on. Like, how do you come in and play your little fills in between the the, the phrases of the lead singer? Work on that, because you can't do that at home, unless you've got a good imagination. So, try to focus on the things that require more than one person or the entire group. Work on group things. I, and I might as well go ahead and say this. Work on your kickoffs and work on your endings. Those are really important. Good kickoff, good ending. Work on your harmonies, work on your arrangements, work on who's playing when. If you leave all that to chance or head nods and all that kind of stuff, you're not going to play as good. That's just fact. Work on first kickoffs and endings versus choruses, get your harmonies down pat. And because those are hard, you can't, how are you going to practice your tenor line at home? You know, but you can work on your banjo break at home. You know, get the gist of it at the practice. Make a mental note or a, or a physical written note, hey, I need to work on this 16 bar solo for you know, something. Okay. Now, here's a list of things that need to happen at every rehearsal. Those are kind of like guidelines and rules. Here are things that need to happen at every rehearsal. Number one, socializing and catching up. That thing I mentioned. This is not band business. If if you, if you at 7 o'clock everybody arrives and one guy is starting to talk about what time we need to arrive and where we need to park to play the Taste of Sumter thing that's coming up this Saturday, three of them guys ain't paying a bit of attention because they're still talking about how they almost hit a cow last night coming home from such and such. So, get the socializing and catching up, joke telling, how you doing, back slapping, all that. Get that stuff done. Do it. So that you can now move on to the second item, like calling to order. Get this thing, okay, now we're calling this thing to order. That might be about 720. And the shepherd will talk about the schedule. Everybody get your schedule out, and by the way, here's your printed schedule, here's your updated one. Grab your pencil, put down your instrument, there'll be no picking. Now's not the time to pick, we need to talk about what's coming up. Well, Tuesday night's not working out for me for practice, uh, You know, so discuss that, make a decision, and move on. There'll be money to be doled out. There'll be little decisions to make. Somebody ask us if we are willing to do X, Y, Z. What do you guys think? Let everybody have their say and then make a decision and move on. All that needs to be done with no picking. If somebody's sitting over in the corner, tuning, uh, fiddling around on their instrument, just ask them to stop. Say, hey, wait, let's, let's get this business taken care of first. Do your business. Then we're going to make some music. Okay. Then, at the end of at the close of that, you got all your business done, I suggest that you, you bring up this next thing before you get to playing music. Issues from past performances. And I suggest that if you're conscientious, when things go, uh, things go wrong at a gig, uh, it could be little things. Boy, we really fouled up the ending of that tune. And something was not happening in the chorus of such-such. Write them down. Write them down at the gig. You might be the only nerd there with a little notebook, but write them down because you'll forget. You might forget. But if, if you got little notes, we, <laughs> boys, we got fixed fix this. Do, do you guys remember what that sounded like when we got to the end and... Uh, It was, you know, a train wreck. Train wrecks. Write down the train wrecks. Bring those up. That's the time to do it. Let's talk about them. That might be what you work on next. See how you can address those issues. Fix the problems. It's like I was talking about my email. Look for the problems first. Fix those. You don't need to be working up a new tune if you can't play the ones you are already playing. So once you get to performing, there's going to be a little... Gig list, you might say. Kind of like when builders go in and look for all the screw-ups in the house they built. Got to fix that. Got to do that. Got to put the... Do those. Try to iron those things out. And it could be that there's two notes that the baritone singer is just not. Somehow or another, he hadn't quite got it embedded fully yet. Let's work on that a little bit. See if you can fix it. Move on. Next thing, make sure you've got all the issues from the past gigs covered. And when you're starting out, you don't have any past gigs. So as you grow as a band, you're going to spend more time at rehearsals fixing existing material rather than bringing up new material. Okay, once you've taken care of your laundry list of things that need work, then move to new material. Especially as a beginning startup band, you're going to need to add material. Your rehearsals in the initial stages are meant to create, I think, a minimum of three sets of music, 13 songs each. 13 times three. That's your initial, that's what you're trying to accomplish. We need that. So we can go out and play. Starts with one. You work on one set. I need 13 songs and instrumentals. When we got that, we'll do another 13, then another 13, maybe a maybe a fourth. When you've got that, you can go out and play. And you can go out and play the one-hour gig when you've only got one set worked up. But try to be building towards that so you need new material. During the new material, open it up. What do you guys want to do? What do you suggest? What do you suggest? And be open to other people's suggestions. Don't shoot them down until you've tried them. And until you've fully tried them. Sometimes a new song will come up and it's just not. I brought songs to to the band and first time just didn't go over. It's because they they didn't know it very well. Just get them familiar with it and come back to it the next week. Try it again. At some point you're going to make a decision as to whether it's a keeper or not. A lot of them are not. And you'll, if you're a startup, you're going to be building that initial song list. You're just trying to, you need material. So you're going to leave things in that two years from now, you may never play. Because you need something. Well, what do you know? What do you know? What do you know? So build your song list. But remember that new songs sometimes take a while to become, people to become attached to them. And they become attached to them when they start. Feeling like you're playing them really well. And this requires some time. Some songs come together instantly. It's amazing. Once in a while, you get that rare tune. Somebody says, Hey, what do you think about this? And you say, Okay, let, let's do that. You sing tenor, I'm going to sing baritone. You kick it off their band and you play it. You go, Man, that was good. Put it on your list and play it a few times and start thinking now, put it in the category of how can we improve that. How can we improve that song okay then the last thing on the list is that you want to do at every rehearsal socialize and catch up call it to order get the business part done before you get to picking cover the issues from the past gigs could be performance issues could be arrival times could be uh you know hey bob uh, don't uh, do me a favor, and next time when we play at the church, don't bring your bottle of Jack Daniels. That may be an issue from a past gig, and that's the time to bring it up before you get to playing music. Okay. The fourth thing see how you can address those issues. Fifth thing work on new material, even if it's just one song. Then, old material. Spend the rest of your time. You might have started at seven, uh, screwed around catching up till 7:15 by about 8:30 you've you've been working on some new material there all the business is done now you might just throw the song list out there and say is there anything on this list here that somebody would like to play they feel like they need to go over it some it's called accumulating mileage the guitar player he may not he may go no nah, no nah, let's work on something new but the bass player might go Uh, let me look at that thing, that tune right there, that's that stand by me thing. Would you, would you guys mind doing that a couple, a couple rounds for me again? I just can't quite remember that one. So running through the old material is important too. Seventh thing that should be done at every rehearsal, call an end, let everybody know. Okay, we're done. That's that shepherd's job we're done. Now at that point, once you've done that, people can leave. They can stay, perhaps. You may do some jamming, fooling around. But once you've called an end, and especially once any member has left the building, from that point on, don't do band business and don't make decisions after it's broken up. That's not the time to be, don't, You know, if somebody brings up something, let's say the fiddle player goes, okay, cool, I got to run and takes off. And then the guitar player says, oh, yeah, I meant to tell y'all, there's this barbecue joint that's been after me, blah, 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 blah. Just say, hey, do I need to call our fiddle player back? Or can that wait till next week? Let's put that on the list. Next week, let's talk about that. Put it on your thing. In other words, don't do business once you've broken up. Okay, that's enough of that. The last thing I want to say about rehearsing is that it is very important. You don't become a good band if you do not rehearse. And if you take some of these things into consideration and rehearse well, you can do a lousy rehearsal. You can get together and run through stuff, run through the tunes, and never stop and fix the problems. And it could be. I mean, if you're beginners, maybe you, you don't realize that it needs work. You know, I mean, I'll I'll grant you that. And some of the things that need work may be personal issues. If the fiddle player or the dober player is playing out of tune, I mean, that is a band issue, but it's also a personal growth and... I mean, maybe you just picked the wrong dobro player, you know? Maybe the guy always plays sharp. And so, as a band, once you become this brotherhood, this family, you now need to address those sorts of things very carefully. People are open to critique and help and assistance, but nobody wants to be, you know... Uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying. I'll do another another episode about that, maybe. Let me wrap this thing up. The important point is practice versus no practice. Look, go with practice. Practice your individually, individually practice and rehearse your band. I always call it rehearsing because I feel like what we're doing there is all about preparing ourselves for a performance, Let's close this very strange episode out with the tune. Oh, oh, before I get to the tune, let me make the last main point. Just like I said in the practice versus playing episode, where I was talking about your individual growth as a musician, that you need to practice, which is work, and you need to play, which is fun. You need to do both. You've got to balance. You know, what's that? All work, no play makes John a dull boy. Go back and listen to that one and then apply those principles to your band. You need also, in addition to these really detailed, intense rehearsals, you also don't forget these are your friends, these are your co musicians, fellow musicians. You also find time to just jam and pick with your band. This could happen at festivals, little jams. You'd be amazed what can come out of your band jamming. I'm right now playing bass with the the pluck tones. And we started out doing a lot of jamming, but then we got formed into a band and we rehearse. Very rarely at a rehearsal do we just kind of start playing stuff. We tend to do that at somebody else's jam on a Tuesday night. But don't forget the, to jam and play without rehearsal mentality with your band. Allow time for that too. At festivals, if you're a bluegrass band playing bluegrass festivals, that is a wonderful place to do it because you can you can do a little rehearsing before you get up on and do your sets. Then after the sets, you can jam and you can have other people come in and brings in new ideas and you know. I, sometimes it'll surprise you like man i had no idea that you could do that well you won't find those things out if you don't also jam with your band so just like practice versus playing rehearse and jam with your band periodically all right now let's close this show out here is cedar hill this was recorded in 1982 that's the band i played in for 27 and a half years I sang this song I don't know how many times. Hundreds and hundreds of at least hundreds of times with Cedar Hill. I'm not actually on this recording. This was when I auditioned uh the duck gave me actually I had I had already bought this record from them at one of their gigs. I had this record that you're about to hear. And I listened to the the record and tried to learn every song on the record. And, that's, and then I went to the audition. So that I would know some of their material. And one of the songs that I worked on was the one you're about to hear. And I had to take over the part of the guy singing lead. This is not me singing lead. Uh, the guy singing lead is, is actually a far better singer than me. A guy named Chip Dunbar. Who I mentioned. Uh, we talked about him in the Mike Marshall interview. Because Mike Marshall knew him. Anyway, those were the shoes I was filling and I was talking about in one of the episodes about sometimes you need to jump in over your head. That's what I was doing here. This is the band and this is the record that I was working on as I was preparing to audition for Cedar Hill. And then I was chosen and I played with them for 27 and a half years. But what you're about to hear is this is a great example of what the kind of level of performance that can be achieved through quality rehearsals so check it out here we go that old spiritual number crying holy by cedar hill y'all take care and i'll talk to you in the next episode
1: crying holy, crying holy unto the, the lord. lord crying holy, crying holy unto the lord, the lord. If could I surely would stand on the rock, on the rock where, where Moses, Moses stood. Sinners run, Sinners run and hide your face. Sinners run, Sinners run and hide your face. Go run into the rock and hide your face. The rock ride out, the rock right out, no hiding place. Crying holy unto the Lord. Crying holy unto the Lord. Could I surely would stand on the rock stand on the rock where Moses stood Lord I ain't, Lord, I ain't no stranger now no stranger now Lord I ain't no stranger now no stranger now I've been introduced to the Father and the Son and I ain't Lord I ain't no stranger now crying holy unto unto the Lord crying holy unto the Lord if I could I surely would stand on the rock, stand on the rock where, where Moses, stood, Moses stood, where Moses stood.